Hiring for your small business? If you're not looking for professionals on LinkedIn, you're looking in the wrong place. That's like looking for your car keys in a fish tank. LinkedIn helps you hire professionals you can't find anywhere else, even those who aren't actively searching for a new job but might be open to the perfect role. In a given month, over 70% of LinkedIn users don't even visit other leading job sites. So start looking in the right place. With LinkedIn, you can hire professionals like a professional. Post your free job on linkedin.com slash achieve today. Hold up. What was that? Boring. No flavor. That was as bad as those leftovers you ate all week. Kiki Palmer here. And it's time to say hello to something fresh and guilt-free. Hello, fresh. Jazz up dinner with pecan-crusted chicken or garlic butter shrimp scampi. Now that's music to my mouth. Hello? Fresh. Let's get this dinner party started. Discover all the delicious possibilities at HelloFresh.com. Millions of people have lost weight with personalized plans from Noom, like Evan, who can't stand salads and still lost 50 pounds. Salads generally for most people are the easy button, right? For me, that wasn't an option. I never really was a salad guy. That's just not who I am. But Noom worked for me. Get your personalized plan today at Noom.com. Real Noom user compensated to provide their story. In four weeks, the typical Noom user can expect to lose one to two pounds per week. Individual results may vary. I was going to start off by asking a pretty kind of open, simple one. Why are you a songwriter? (laughs) Oh, um... I don't know, you know, uh, it's just, it's quite weird because, like, when when we very first started the band, um, me and Josh, uh, the guitarist, we just used to kind of go to his house every day after school, just kind of play songs that we know together. Like, he taught me how to play guitar, so we'd just kind of just play songs all the time. And then I think it just got to a point where we were like, how cool would it be if we like could figure out how to record our own songs and we just started writing them in the garage so that's what we did we had like a little 16 track um interface and then we just started like really badly when when i look back at it but like yeah just recording songs and then like it kind of just started from there we we had like this whole thing that we were proud of when we were younger where like we'd i don't think I think we've only played one song, like one cover song in a gig, like the whole time we've been a band. And we always thought we were dead cool because like we were playing gigs where bands were doing loads of covers in the set and then we didn't have one in the set. And we were like, oh yeah, we're, we're kind of smashing it here. <laughs> <laughs> but I think it was just like, obviously we love music, but like you just get like a different feeling when you're, you're making a song as opposed to just playing one that you like. Do you know what I mean? Yeah. Was that uh, was it Latch that you used to cover at gigs as well? It is, yeah. How do you know that? <laughs> don't know. We better dig uh, That's a good one. I've done a bit of digging there, Defo. <laughs> is that like a similar thing though? Because you must have to take that and kind of make it your own. You can't just cover that straight up as it. Yeah, we made it into like um, we at the time we were kind of like really just kind of beasting off guitars that were like we used to call them like flickety riffs and it's like do you know just really fast picking riffs where it's like and like um we just kind of made latch into this funky tune 
and then we just used to i think we did it in like two gigs we did it in the o2 academy uh in the small room when we headline that gig i think we did or maybe it was the f- no it was when we when we first played that venue we did it and like we had loads of people from our school there and like it it, it went off do you know what i mean everyone was like yeah because <laughs> we started playing that oh that's mad that you know <laughs> Those, uh, you know, those songs that you were writing in the garage when you first started off. What were they kind of centered around, like topic-wise? What were you writing about at that time? Uh, it was, it was weird because, like, I, I don't think the even though obviously, like, we were starting to write songs for like the first time. I don't really feel like the songwriter, like, in me was kind of alive then. Do you know what I mean? It was just kind of I didn't really want to sing, but then no one else would sing so i was just like okay i'll just i'll just do it and then i ended up really loving it so the lyrics were kind of just i think we wrote one song about light pollution <laughs> and then we wrote another one about like how our school was knocked down and it was like basically like a fucking it's just like a wasteland now <laughs> and we were like it sounds a bit depressing to be honest but like um it didn't sound depressing at the time because it was kind of like shoegazy music, like really soft, like floaty. Like I couldn't sing at that point. Um, so I've got like quite a deepish speaking voice. So I basically would just speak really deeply on songs. And there was one where it was like, admire the view, like that, that deep. And it was just like, when I look back at it, I'm like, what the hell were we doing then? How old were you at that point? Uh, we was 16. At that point, it was like, I don't even think we had any aspiration of starting a band. It was just like, we were just two mates who just loved making music together. And then we just used to put a song on SoundCloud and then show it to our mates. And then that was it, really. That's as far as we were kind of thinking it would go at that point. And then it all kind of just fell into place like after that. It's interesting that you're saying you know, at that point, the songwriter in you hadn't quite come out yet. Was part of that, I mean, if we look at, like, we think about the debut record, part of that that gives it its power is the kind of darkness and the emotional yeah. weight that they're rooted in. Was that something that maybe wasn't present in your life at that point? And was that why the songwriter hadn't come out yet? Do you know what? Yeah, like, thinking back to it, like, it might have been, like, I hadn't kind of experienced anything too bad in life to write songs about well definitely like too too bad at that time in life do you know what i mean like like obviously you have like whatever things happen when you're like kids and you grow up and but then when we were like 16 i felt like everything was kind of just really good when we were 16 we just like we were going out with our mates all the time like just having fun and then like so there wasn't really like any kind of heartbreak or anything to write about you know what i mean and then yeah yeah obviously like with the with the debut album there's a lot of like lyrics which come back to like mental health and stuff like that and like that's because like over from the time of 16 to now like that has been like a massive part of my life and also like a, a big part of like the boys lives as well like we've all kind of had like our struggles and like stuff's happened like uh, to our families and stuff so having like real things to write songs about definitely like kind of it sparks like the inspiration to like actually want to speak about it do you know what I mean but there are loads of our songs which are fictional as well which I just thought like is a story that definitely applies to someone else's life like life do you know what I mean like 
I don't know, like heartbreak. Like there's a song, um, our song "Mixed Signals" is like clearly about like a relationship going sour. But like, I've been with my girlfriend for seven years. <laughs> like our relationship's like <laughs> boss. So I actually haven't experienced that. Do you know what I mean? But I know that so many people do experience that, and it's a song that people like will relate to. And even though I haven't been through it myself, I've seen like friends go through stuff like that. So. I think maybe it's just like I wasn't as observant of life when I was 16, do you know what I mean, to like want to write about anything. Do you become more observant about life as a result of writing songs? I think so, yeah, because you, you get people like, I listen to quite a lot of like emo kind of folk music and a lot of their lyrics, like like the likes of like Phoebe Bridges and stuff like that, like yeah, yeah, yeah. her lyrics are very like here and now she's writing exactly what's kind of happening. and like. I just find like artists like that so interesting because like I don't really write songs like that and like recently I've been trying to a bit more just kind of I don't know just say things that are kind of random but they all make sense when you're talking about like the story of the whole song do you know what I mean but yeah I think you do you do become like more observant definitely you, you just try and like take in things and it's not like you're always like looking at everything like Oh, I'm, this is the line, you know, I've just thought of the line <laughs> that I'm going to write in this <laughs> in this hit song. But, like, yeah, that you definitely, like, try and take more in, I think, anyway. <laughs> Does it feel different when you're writing a song if you're writing about someone else's experience as opposed to your own? Yeah, it's much harder. For me, when I'm doing stuff like that, like, for the likes of Mixed Signals again, it's, like, it's more... When I'm when I'm writing the lyrics, I'm thinking more about the melody in in songs where like it's you know the lyrics don't mean too much to to me personally. Like I'm thinking a bit more about like like fun or catchy melodies or interesting melodies, and and then I'll put the words in after that. When it's like a song that means a lot to me, like um, our song Turn means a lot to me. Like that was like a very much like a lyrics first kind of process like it was like something like I wanted to speak about in a song and then we had the song to put that with do you know what I mean and so the the writing process for Turn was much easier and much more cathartic than writing a song that I haven't like experienced Turn is a really interesting one to kind of look at in the context of the album because when you present that song in the EP that EP wraps up with Forget It All, yeah. which kind of calls back to it by saying it's your turn to be happy and places it in a more optimistic context. Yeah, it does, yeah. I, that, I'm glad you picked up on that. That's sick. <laughs> but you don't really have that, you don't have that to the same extent on the record. You know, you end the record on Leave Me Alone. Yeah, it's a kind of like statement, so. isn't it? It's like, go away from me type thing. I don't know, I think that's also like, again, it kind of shows what points maybe I was in in life, do you know, because when we were bringing the first album out, like, I was going through quite a lot of stuff and I was finding it quite hard to enjoy that we were bringing our album out. That might even be kind of why Leave Me Alone. I didn't really think of that, like, too much going into it, but, like, I definitely, I remember writing Leave Me Alone and thinking, like, that's got to be the last song on the album. Like, it's just, like, half... A statement that like I knew it wasn't gonna be like one of our best songs that like you know like one of our songs that everyone knows like or everyone loves out of our fans but I just thought like 
the meaning behind it just kind of was exactly how I felt at the time. Whereas like with the EP, I was kind of feeling a bit more positive about life at the time. And I was like, although I'd wrote 10 at the same time, I'd kind of like went full circle and started feeling better about life. Do you know what I mean? So, so yeah, forget it all. It was like the perfect end to that EP. Sick that you picked up on that, you know. Like, <laughs> that's boss. <laughs> Leave Me Alone kind of references that a little bit as well, though. You know, you're speaking about the fact that you're either sad or happy. Like, it kind of looks at this in a slightly, maybe in a slightly more pessimistic light, but acknowledges the fact that you're going to go through this kind of cyclical nature throughout life. Yeah, definitely. It's like, well, I'm a bipolar type 2, so, like, basically it's it's different to type 1. Type 1 is, like, the, the kind of what everyone imagines bipolar to be. Um, but basically bipolar type 2 is like um, you go through uh, quite like a depressive stage and then you just kind of return to like, it's called hypomania, but it's basically just normality. Do you know what I mean? Um, the mania only lasts like a few days, right? When you're in type 2. Yeah, yeah. Like it's, it's, not, it's not like a very long period of time where you kind of, you are like happy and upbeat and stuff and then you can just dip but it, it's definitely like it used to be when i was younger like a lot more predictable the cycle but as i've got older and i've got like used to kind of understanding it i'm getting better with it do you know what i mean um when, when i'm like acknowledging that i'll be sad and happy in songs it's like i know that like the sad bit like will come back around but i think it's just like acknowledging it that's the biggest like the most important part of the whole process is like and that's why i do mention it quite a lot in songs as well there's like a few songs for like the second album that have kind of hinted towards it um a bit more yeah and i think that's basically why i kind of do it because i only found out that i was um bipolar when i was like 18 or 17 18 so it was all just like very new at the time and it was when the band was starting to kind of get get a bit more traction and I was just finding it like a bit hard to like get used to it and I was like thinking oh my life is just fucked here because like they've told me that it's for life or whatever but as I've got older like I've just learned to kind of understand that like even though it's a cycle as long as I can just like predict the fact that I will feel down or something will trigger me to feel down I can actually end up feeling much better about it. Do you know what I mean? Like I end up don't feel like I end up like not feeling as like down as I expect to be. Do you know what I mean? Yeah. It sounds like, I mean, it sounds like you don't really fear it as much as well now. That's it. Yeah. That's what you're saying now. Yeah. yeah f- fear is definitely the thing. I think like at first I literally thought like, this is like the end of my life. Do you know what I mean? I thought like that it couldn't get any worse type thing. But now, and I am like in a positive way now, but like I still have like up and down days. But yeah, I definitely don't fear it as much as I used to. I feel like I feel a lot more in control. And that's like the biggest thing is the control is like if I know I'm going to feel down, then I'll do things actively that will cheer me up. Do you know what I mean? Rather than just letting it kind of dwell and just sit in a in my room all day and just not leave i mean i do do that sometimes but like i'm sure we all do that sometimes when when we get a bit low sit in your room smoking alone yeah exactly <laughs> yeah. yeah can 
do you, are you able to write songs at kind of both ends of the spectrum? Yeah. If you know what I mean? Yeah, definitely. Like, sometimes it is hard, like, when, when I'm really feeling, like, not motivated. But that's sometimes, like, 10 came out when I was, like, I was feeling awful at the time. And that's, like, one of my favourite songs of ours, like, to date still. And there's been some on the second album where I was definitely not in a good place, but... It's really cathartic sometimes to to make a song, do you know what I mean? Like or even just to pick up your guitar and like play some of your songs or play anything on the guitar is just like makes you feel like better. I can't explain it. Um I'm sure if you play an instrument you'll kinda know what I mean. But Yeah, I play saxophone. Yeah, you'll you'll know what I mean. And I I I love saxophone, you know, my girlfriend got me a <laughs> saxophone for my birthday um nice. like last year and like I still haven't played it properly because like, I just can't let it's so hard. <laughs> it's like so hard, isn't it? It's just a release though, isn't it? Yeah. Like what you're saying. Yeah. You just feel like a weight being taken off. Yeah, exactly. It just makes you feel like, I don't know, much better when you can kind of make something that sounds good. And like, I don't know, like your body definitely reacts a lot to sounds. Like songs make you feel a certain way. So when you're playing, you, you can just make yourself feel better. And music is just sick for like anything kind of like mental health related I think because even though like loads of musicians do go through mental health issues and stuff like that like a mental illness but they still like kind of you see loads of musicians still kind of trooping on because like you can just see that they're releasing like I don't know they're releasing all like the badness through the music do you know what I mean that sounds so cheesy it's probably where they turn to music, though. Yeah, exactly. It makes you, it literally is like, it's like a form of medicine, like the way exercise is a form of like medicine in that sense. It's like, it makes you feel good. Like it, surely like it's releasing endorphins and like you just, I don't know, you do just feel good whenever you listen to music. So I'm just, I'm bigging up this and like I realised I haven't listened to like much music this week. I need to start, I'm going to listen to loads <laughs> of music after this tonight. <laughs> It's about, I feel like there's something about being able to express yourself in a way that isn't just speaking though, if you know what I mean. Like it's a release in a way to kind of get stuff out, but without having to say anything. Without having to actually talk about it. Yeah. Yeah, definitely. Like, Turn's like the perfect example of that. Like in the song, like I'm mentioning about like how like I was just kind of at at a point in life where I was a bit like paranoid. I felt like no one wanted to be my friend and like felt like really alone but then like instead of talking to me mates about it like i just put a song out with the kind of basically talking about it and then like everyone still gets it and you just don't really have to have that conversation it is good to have those conversations though but but yeah it, it definitely is like a way of getting stuff off your chest and kind of not really feeling any repercussion from it to put in that song that make it easier to have that conversation in person. Yeah, I think it probably did. It was that that song's got like I think it means a lot to all the boys on the band. Um because it was like a really tough year in our lives in 2017. Like there's some sometime around like the start of the year, I'd um taken an overdose and like it was like a big massive thing and then I was fine afterwards. And then, like, m- like midway into the year, or, like, early spring, Carl's dad died. And then, literally, like, 
four months later, Josh's dad died, and they were both like just came out of nowhere. And then we brought out Turn like in the September of that year. It just kind of meant a lot to the boys. I know it's Josh's favorite song of ours, and I think it's just because it's it's about feeling like even though my, it from my perspective it was like I was feeling alone and like I was feeling down. Like it's just about like that. I'm sure when that happened to both of them, they they had that feeling of being alone. Do you know what I mean? And they definitely had to grieve and feel that. So I think like I think that's why we all love that song so much. Do you know what I mean? Even though like it was about my experience originally, it then became about like all of our experience. When by the time we were like releasing the song, definitely. Yeah. It's probably the only song that you've written or in a very direct way you're kind of channeling the weight of three out of the four members instead of just sometimes the one when it comes to the vocals. Yeah, yeah, definitely. Definitely is. Do certain songs kind of open up doors for you? Like, was that the first song you written that was in such a dark vein? I think so. I mean, like, it depends. Like, it depends um, what people class as, like, a dark vein. Do you know what I mean? Like, obviously you've got loads of songs about, like, heartbreak and stuff like that, but... I think it was maybe the first song that that we'd made that like hinted towards like my experience a bit more. Do you know what I mean? Like it was hard to like kind of sing it in the studio when we were recording it, and like we did a music video for it. And at first, I was like, I don't want to do a music video for it because like it would just make me proper like emotional. Do you know what I mean? Like, but yeah, I feel like doing those things and like singing it in the studio and then we did do a music video for it just made like it just made me love the song even more do you know what i mean we did the video for it well after because at the time i really didn't want to do one but then leading up to like when we were bringing the album out and that we just thought like we need a video and like we haven't done one for ten before so we just thought like let's just do it we need to get it out so it was like, I just kind of suck it up and get on with it type thing. And it's made me love the song, like, even more. Just strengthens that connection to it. Yeah, definitely. Like, I thought it would push me away from it, to be honest. I thought it'd be like, oh, I can't, like, have this song that, like, I don't know, it just felt too raw. Do you know what I mean? But it just, I don't know, doing the video just made it feel like, okay, I'm like, I'm, I'm okay with this. I was just stressing out over nothing. Has a song ever been pushed away from you as a result of being like too raw and just a little bit too intense? None that I can like think of. There's definitely been songs that like I've written by myself, like on an acoustic guitar, that have been a bit like sad, but ne- never like too sad to be like turned away. I think like the the saddest one we've brought out is probably um, a message to myself, and like obviously like hence the title. It's a message to myself about like just like life in general. And just kind of like keep on going type thing, but that had more of a positive spin to it, even though it was a sad song. Um, like the chorus is like, "Take care, take care." It was just like a message to myself, basically to to just like you need to look after yourself and not let yourself kind of slip. Is that why you made it so simple, like both in lyrical kind of layout and also the presentation of it just being you and the guitar? Yeah, yeah, because I just wanted it to be like literally what it says on the tin like listen to this whenever you're feeling shit just keep going you know keep on trucking like it's not whatever you're stressing about right now is not the end of the world so 
yeah, I think it was like a, it was a message for myself, but it was a message for my future self for whenever like I need it. Do you know what I mean? So I just thought like it's a lot more personal. It just being the acoustic guitar and just my vocal because it, I feel like it's a full band tune. You can get carried away with like the the music and the rhythm and the beats, and you're like, oh no, but this song's like so good, like it's just bouncing. Whereas like with an acoustic, like you've got to listen. Do you know what I mean? You've you've got to. The only feeling that you're gonna get is the acoustic guitar playing, and you've not got like this rhythm pounding in the background distracting you. You've just got to like kind of listen in like the here and now rather than like kind of because I feel like when you're listening to a song, a full song, you just kind of like you're listening for everything. You're trying to find things in the song that like might not even be there. Like you're trying to find like maybe like a drone synth note that's like you can hear but it's not actually there in the song, do you know what I mean? Like, you're always trying to nitpick. But, yeah, with acoustic songs, especially when it's literally as simple as an acoustic and a vocal and not got anything else on it, it's, they're just easier to kind of listen to, especially when you've got a message that you need to kind of say. So putting a spotlight on it. Yeah, yeah, yeah. I feel like I'm just rambling on, but... <laughs> <laughs> That's what podcasts are about, Yeah, man. yeah. <laughs> I'm just chatting shit. <laughs> <laughs> it's interesting what you're saying there, though, about, you know, in the studio, there can be the temptation to blow it out and make it a full band song. How how do you kind of maintain the perspective to know what is right for the song and not just what might be good? Because something can be great, but it might not work for what you're wanting to do. Yeah, sometimes it's like literally just the the process of trying it as a full band. And if it works, it works. And if it doesn't, it doesn't. Like... There's there's so many songs that we've written as a band that will never come out because not that they're bad songs at all, but it's even like they're just not the right song for the EP that's about to come out or the album that we need to bring out or even just a single to release. Like they're just they're just not what we want to put out there at that time, and then you forget about them. Yeah, I don't know. Like with with acoustic songs and then like as opposed to like band songs. I think making the choice between the two is pretty much like it, it pretty much 90% of the time we'll go to be in a band song do you know what I mean but then sometimes we'll make a song on piano or something and it'll just be like no this just sounds really good on piano there was one we were supposed to bring out like because we've got an EP coming out and we wrote like or I wrote like a piano song for it and we tried to make it into like a full band song and it just didn't work but it kind of didn't work to the point where it made me doubt the actual piano song by itself. And then we kind of just binned it off and then wrote a few more instead. But yeah, it is it is quite a tricky process sometimes because it can lead you to like binning off like song ideas that like when you actually think back to them or listen back to a voice note or something on your phone, you're like, that song was decent. Like, why did we fuck it up? <laughs> It can be so hard to capture that like original emotion as well though. Like yeah. from the actual like voice note or whatever. Yeah, definitely. There's even songs on like the album where like we have mixed signals on the album and the vocal in mixed signals is the same um vocal that was in the original one. Like I was gonna sing it again, but it just didn't work. And then my guitar part is the same one that was in the original as well because I tried to make my guitar part again. And I just couldn't get it sounding as nice. And I just thought, you know what? I just want the original in. I think 
everything else is new. Like uh, Josh and Aaron and Carl all did like their parts brand new for that song, but I just left mine the same. So we we did that on quite we did that on a few songs for the um for the album. I think we did Addicted as well. Was like so the verses in Addicted are different. Like I I resang the whole song, and we like replayed the whole song. There was like in the chorus, I just found it funny because like obviously we wrote that song when we were like seventeen. So like there's like a seventeen year old me singing the chorus, and then like a twenty one year old me singing the double like for the chorus and I just found it funny because like that song was about my girlfriend who I'm still with now and like I was just thinking like I wrote this song about you when I was 17 and now I'm bringing it out on on my debut album <laughs> like when I'm 21 like it's just like so mad to think about that's what the album's about as well though really isn't it kind of charting that whole path through late adolescence into adulthood and kind of losing innocence a little bit or maturing would maybe be a better way yeah yeah definitely definitely just to come back to mixed signals we're keeping the vocal the same what are you doing to the vocals on the bridge of that when you've kind of got the effects on it oh where it sounds like it's in like a kind of like it sounds like it's on like a phone or something yeah yeah i can't even remember how we did that you know um i think we like recorded it on um a tape machine i think it's just like a delay or a reverb just fully wet and then like it just, it sounds mad doesn't it? it sounds proper cool but that was like down to uh rob who's like our manager slash producer at the time like we kind of knew what we wanted because obviously we wrote that song again when we were like 18 17 18 and then like yeah rob was just kind of off when we when we first got in the studio when we didn't know anything about producing music ourselves like we'd just kind of say to him we needed to sound like this and we'd like do an impersonation of like what we needed it to sound like like you'd put your hands in front of your mouth or you'd just do anything and um he'd kind of just be able to replicate it with like plugins and stuff on um pro tools so we just knew knew kind of what we wanted it was like a really good chemistry when we first started you could have had that language with him from the get-go the way you could just communicate so weirdly like that yeah i think it was because like so we met rob by kind of producing with him basically so we the way we used to record those songs in the garage and stuff like we made demos but we didn't know how to mix them and we certainly didn't know how to produce them well enough at the time you're like 16 though yeah exactly yeah we're 16 and like we're just starting out and we're kind of experimenting with these like microphones and with a 16 track and a logic and garage band like we'd never used this type of thing before yeah, we, we saved up enough money between us. I think it was like it's like 125 quid each to record with Rob for like two days or something. That's a lot of money when you're 16. Yeah, it was a lot of money we saved up for so long. Like, <laughs> but we were we were like proper determined about it. Do you know what I mean? We were like, we want to go to this studio and like we want to try and see like if we can do something with this band. Because at this point, by the way, like I forgot to mention, like when, when we did start doing those like tunes in the garage or whatever that was just me and josh and then kind of like we we were mates with carl and aaron anyway and then carl was like the best drummer we knew and aaron was a guitarist at the time and we convinced aaron to play bass 
and then basically Carl was just like we sent Carl one of the demos we'd made and he was like lad I'm game I'm the drummer now I mean that was just like how <laughs> we became like the band because we've been in bands together since we were kids like loads of different ones but it was never like the four of us together yeah so we got we got to the studio and we, we recorded the song called Growing Up with Rob we kind of left we, we had the, the two days there it was boss we recorded the song we were really happy with it we put it on SoundCloud and then, like, like a, a week later, Rob messaged us and he was like, I haven't done this before, but, like, I really thought, like, the sound from the band was really good. I'd like to work with you in some way. I've never managed the band before, but I've, like, got some connections, like, to managers of bands. So, like, do you want to just meet up and we'll do something? And we played a gig for him. And then it was kind of like, that was it. It was like, Rob's our manager now. He introduced us to Simon Bobbitt, who is our other manager also. So they like co-managers. He was the one bats manager. And then it kind of just like went mad from there because like we'd played Sound City um in like the conference room uh, for Simon. Like it was the first gig we played for him. And then like basically we just walked up to him after and we were just like, yeah, we were like you're our manager now let's go like we're gonna like <laughs> we're gonna smash life or whatever and then literally like later that year um he was like a band's just dropped out of the wombats tour do you want to do it and we were like 17 at this time we were like shit <laughs> like going on tour and we were like we didn't have enough songs so we had to like write another two songs because we only had like a five song set at the time that we were like really happy with so we wrote another two songs and I think we wrote Addicted in that time. And then we played Addicted on our very first tour. Yeah, it kind of just went from there, like really weirdly. We've been on tour with the Wombats like so many times now because like <laughs> we've got the same manager and like, I don't know, we, we've got like really good mates with them now and it just like feels good to be on tour with people who like you're, you're friends with. Do you know what I mean? Yeah, it can be tough. So it makes it a little easier. Yeah, definitely. It's it's good to like break it up as well because although like you love the boys you're in the band with, like you're with each other twenty four seven, so like you can get a bit like fed up with each other sometimes. So like it's good to like break it up and like have other people that you can like speak to throughout the day. And like even the way I say like fed up, we don't like get like fed up, fed up. It's just like more you know kind of claustrophobic when you're in a van with the same four or five people every day. And it's just like you need to kind of break it up and speak to other people on tour. That's why tour is so good because you get to meet like other artists and get to kind of hear what life's like from their perspectives as well. Where do you find space to be alone on tour? Sometimes I just take myself off on walks, you know, like before we play shows. Like normally we all go get food together and we do because like to be fair, we are all literally like best mates. So we want to spend like all our time together like we do everything together but like sometimes if i really feel like i need some alone time i'll just take myself off whatever city we're in or wherever we are and just maybe go get a coffee or just kind of have a walk around and explore a bit there's always like a monument or something you can walk past whatever yeah. city you're in yeah exactly and there's always like a coffee shop like there's always even just the shop to go in just to like just for something to do like an excuse to go off and kind of explore a little bit but I wish we did that more often because like sometimes like you're driving for most of the day 
and then by the time you get to a place you kind of just got to play the gig and then by the time you've played the gig it's night time so you don't really get to explore too much but sometimes you're there like the day before and like we went to we had a gig in oxford um like two years ago and we went punting in the in the daytime do you know where they like push the boat on the canal with the big pole yeah, yeah, yeah. yeah never done it before in my life but like <laughs> it's just like things like that a boss to do do you know what i mean like we got to like experience like stuff like that and when we were in europe we just because we all skateboard as well so we just go off skating go to like the local skate parks or whatever and just kind of explore as much as we can before we play the show because once you play the show you're kind of just like in the gig then the whole night you don't drink much on tour though do you um no, not, not really tame, yeah. yeah we we used to but like i kind of tend to not because of my voice because i've got to sing every night so if i drink every night like i know some people can drink every night but like i know me limits like my voice will be wrecked if i drink every night so we kind of don't like we smoke a bit but like that's it really like we, we'll only smoke like a bit of weed or something and then just kind of chill out but we don't really drink that much like the boys aren't drinkers like they're just they're all stoners to be fair <laughs> yeah they're definitely more like stoners than they are drinkers but yeah it's a skateboarder cliche yeah exactly yeah <laughs> exactly that i mean to be fair though i love having a bevy but like i just haven't much like in the past like few years because of my voice just want to kind of preserve it so when you're in the studio is it just the four of you and rob yeah basically yeah would you is that kind of how you're able to express yourself vocally in the way that you're doing and completely open up would you be able to do that if there were other people in the studio or is it part of that kind of intimacy that feeds into it no i, I definitely could do it but like sometimes it's even just me and rob when i'm doing vocals because like sometimes we'll have finished the song but then not had time to do vocals or i might have not been well at the time so we were like we'll do vocals in like a few days when my voice is better so sometimes, if not most of the time, it is just me and Rob in the studio um, when I'm doing vocals, and it's normally at about like eleven p.m. onwards. Um, sometimes we've done like nights like one, two, three, where we're just doing vocals because like we had like it was when we were like doing the album, I had like a vocal injury, and then it was like really hard to kind of navigate around my voice uh, being well. Um, like well enough to sing and then so like sometimes I'd just ring Rob at like midnight and be like it sounds you know like right now my voice isn't sore <laughs> and then he'd be like let's get in the studio <laughs> so it was kind of like in the moment I think does that fit into it in any way that kind of spontaneity of it I think it probably definitely does for like the vocals in 0151 there's loads of things like in loads of songs on 0151 that I'm not like not that happy with vocally but I think that's just me, kind of. Like I said before, you know, just nitpicking. <laughs> fucking, sorry, I just fucking choked on my drink there. <laughs> like, <laughs> nitpicking. Yeah, I think I'm just kind of, not not a perfectionist, but, like, there's definitely things where I think, like, I could have sang that better. It's annoying that I didn't, and it's out. But people are still liking it, so I don't think anyone else actually cares as much as I care. There's a balance between being technically right and being emotionally spot on, though. And it's tough to strike. That's true. That's very true, actually. That's something I've only noticed, like, recently as well. Because, like, like I said, with that um, vocal injury, it's, like, it's been ongoing for, like, the past two years. I've been kind of, like, 
struggling with my voice quite a bit over the past two years and like I'm doing like vocal therapy at the minute yeah that that was kind of something that I noticed was like sometimes I would sing like purely from the emotion behind it and like the performance don't get me wrong would be good but it was just knackering my voice sometimes because like in turn like when we play turn every night in a gig there's like one part in the um, second verse where it's like I go to like a higher note it's like I won't believe it when they tell me but it's like the eye at the start is like I just love screaming it a bit live you know just shouting it and then like I ended up just knocking my voice doing that every night on tour but yeah definitely like agree with you like as long as the emotions there in the recording that's all that matters because you want a song that makes you feel you don't want a song that's like technically correct yeah it's like addicted on the record i think it's like the second chorus or something the way you kind of just follow it at the end of it yeah yeah as yeah. it finishes yeah that's that kind of thing it's like just it, it's kind of i don't know like it's just feeling out the music isn't it you still do the lemon and honey before you go on stage as well <laughs> how are you on to all this <laughs> yeah i um well I, I was doing when we were when we were touring before this bloody uh, pandemic but yeah i think uh, i'll always do that you know i'm just like addicted to it sometimes i literally like drink from the honey bottle and just put a little bit of water in it and it's disgusting like it's honestly it's just like drinking sugar but, yeah. but i do it anyway because i was told it was good for my voice and then when i started this vocal therapy they said honey doesn't do anything for your voice it's just a load of shit and i was like i could have saved so many probably like <laughs> cavities that are going to happen in my teeth eventually because of the amount of bloody honey I was drinking on tour like two bottles like a week at least there could be a mental thing behind it though yeah like you almost need to do something like ritualistic to yeah know. I used to I used to have you know like a hot toddy with like whiskey in it and like <laughs> yeah I used to have like hot toddies before air gigs and that was like me ritual and then I started like doing actual vocal exercises and then that kind of became like habitual which is good because I never used to do them at all. Do you have writing habits or patterns perhaps when it comes to the actual kind of surroundings in which the songs fall into place? I don't know I'm sure like you'll you'll know what I mean here from like playing saxophone where like you know when you pick up an instrument you kind of always play your favourite things straight away don't you? Like yeah. You, you, like when I, whenever I pick up a guitar whatever tuning it's in I'll play whatever my favourite thing is in that tuning first and like sometimes when I'm like writing that can lead into like a song because like my favourite thing won't be like a song I mean my favourite thing will just be you know just like I don't know just like a little riff or like a chord sequence that like I've made myself that I just when I made it I was like whoa this is sick but I just didn't do anything with it and like I don't know, there's one song that we're going to bring out this year that's got a piano on it, um, and I play the piano on it, but every single time I sit down at a piano, that's the very first thing I play is, like, the intro to that song, because I, I just love it, like, and it's that's limiting me writing on piano, because then I just think, <laughs> like, oh, no, I'm just playing my own songs now, and I'll just stop, <laughs> do you know what I mean? So it can limit you a little bit when I do stuff like that, but... I've been trying my best not to recently. Like I've been, because usually I, I was speaking to Josh the other day 
Josh is like the go-to person in the band to, you know, find music, new music. You just don't know about, like, he's just, like, sources it. Like, he just knows where to go. I go through mad phases where, like, when I'm writing music, I don't listen to any music at all because, like, I see it as, like, a challenge to... If I want to listen to music, I need to make some. Do you know what I mean? Which is a bit mad because, like, I didn't realise it was mad until I spoke to Josh about it the other day. And he was like, really? Yeah. And I was like, yeah. And he was like, lad, like, I listen to music all the time when I'm writing. And he was like, because then you just get ideas from certain songs. And I was just thinking, like, yeah, like, I've just been limiting myself so much, like, over the years because I've always done that. Like, I just... I don't listen to music because, like, I've always had this fear of, like, copying something subconsciously and then, like, getting to the end of writing a song and then, like, realising, shit, that's someone else's song already. (laughs) So, like, I just distance myself from other people's music. It maybe gives you, like, a certain clarity as well. Like, I remember seeing over Christmas Jack Saunders, the DJ, posting about how he didn't listen to any music for two weeks. And when he came back, everything sounded so fresh and he felt like he had such a different perspective on music at large. Yeah, definitely. Like, that, that's, like, kind of exactly how it makes me feel. Like, when I do... Because, like, when I had that conversation with Josh, it made me think, okay, I need to listen to some music now because I haven't in, like, quite a while. And then when I did, I was just, like, I just felt so good about it. Do you know what I mean? Like, everything I was listening to, he made me a playlist and everything I was listening to on it was new to me. And, like... So, like, I was just so interested in how they made it and, like, wanting to make something that made me feel the same way as that did. I think that was, like, a big thing that we used to do when we were younger is, like, even though I'm I'm saying that, like, I don't really listen to music when I'm writing it, there would be songs that, like, you know, like, my favourite songs that would stand out to me and I'd be like, I want to make a song like that, but by like that I don't mean, like, in that key or with a similar chord progression or like similar melody. I just want to make a song that makes me feel the way that I feel when I listen to that song. Do you know what I mean? There was, I can't even remember what it was called, you know, and it's going to do me head in this because I'll remember it later on. But there was this song by this band and they weren't that big. They were from America and we all used to love it in the band. I literally, I, I'm so Title bad fight. at names. We all we all love title fight, yeah. We all love title <laughs> fight, like that's mad. But um, it's not title fight this one. But yeah. like, we all used to love that song, and then I thought like, I need, we need to make a song that makes us feel like that. And then we wrote our song "Strange Clothes" because it's kind of just like a wall of sound, and it just makes you feel like a a certain way inside. Like I don't know, whenever I listen to that tune, I feel like proper warm inside. Because it's like it's a proper nice song as well. Like, I, I I don't even know if my brother knows this, but like I wrote that for my brother, because like he was like going through some like shit at the time, um, and it was just like a kind of you know like the way the chorus was like, and I swear down, I swear if I could feel it all for you, I would type thing, and yeah, that just makes me feel like proper warm inside when when we play or whenever I listen to. It. It's another interesting one, like what you're saying, to look at in the context of the album instead of the, because when I heard it on the EP that it was on, I can always saw it to be about like heartbreak and running into someone you used to know in town and how they've kind of changed. But then in the context of the record, when you've got all the other stuff about mental health going on, it kind of takes on the shape, like you're saying, they're trying to help carry other people's 
burdens almost. Yeah, yeah. It's mad that like you say that as well because like so many people have said that to me about songs where like they're like this really helped me like get through a breakup and stuff like that. And it's like about a song that's got nothing to do with that, but it's just amazing that like all songs are kind of open for interpretation. I think that's something that I always kind of took into songwriting. Um that recently I've kind of steered away from a bit recently because like the way I've been saying to you, I've been listening to like a lot of emo folk music that's kind of very like right here, right now type lyrics. They're just like they can make no sense, but they make all the sense they need to make. The stream of consciousness. Yeah, yeah, exactly. But then obviously like with all our songs, the way I've had people say in the past, like that's that's like helped me with this, that's helped me with this, but then it's got nothing to do with it. I think that's kind of down to the fact that like I purposely did that, like in in loads of songs, like I purposely didn't say what the actual problem was in the song, do you know what I mean? Like it, I just kind of spoke about the emotions that people were having that like obviously coincide with loads of things like depression and heartbreak and like loneliness and all sorts. Like you, they're all different things, but like at the end of the day, they all make you feel sad, don't they? Or thing, or the things can make you feel happy. And I think that's I don't know why I've had people say that to me in the past. Like I, like that song's helped me so much. Blah blah blah. Because like it's being open to interpretation the way we wrote it kind of worked like I wanted it to be open to interpretation it can help a lot more people if you do it that way do you know what I mean like I know music's not all about helping people but it it, it kind of is yeah it's either about helping yourself or helping other people yeah yeah exactly I don't know there's always a motive behind it to kind of I don't know yeah like help yourself yeah I mean that's what you do in the song following strange clothes take care where you kind of just Again, it's like one of the most direct moments on the record where you're just admitting that I need to love myself. Yeah, yeah, definitely. That was like a, a mad one because I wrote that on piano and I always loved it, but I never thought to put it in like a band thing. As we were like trying to make interludes for the album to join the songs together, I realised like when we were trying to find something to go before, I know I'm sure that was just like the perfect song to do it. So then we actually made it into like a proper kind of like it had the roads on it and like a little beat on it and from the drum machine. And then, um, yeah, that you're right. It is like a proper direct moment. It's like the genre of music almost changes a little bit and then it kind of leads you into I Know I'm Sure, which is like, that's my favourite song off the album and like probably like the most emotional song we've got. <laughs> Because it's so long and it's it's in three four, and it's just like you can just have a little waltz to it, <laughs> have a little slow dance. It's probably the most optimistic song on the album as well. Yeah, like you're, definitely. You know, you're singing about believing that everything's gonna work out and get better. Yeah, yeah, definitely. So that was a mad one for me because like when when I wrote when I was because basically it was a proper weird one, you know, like when we were doing the first album, like. Because I was having all this trouble with my voice, I was taking ages to write lyrics because I was finding it hard to write melodies that I didn't know if I'd be able to sing at the time. So I took like quite a bit of time to write the lyrics uh, for the songs after the music was already recorded. And like with I Know I'm Sure, 
it was like a proper mad one because like my auntie had um, like just died. Like we were we were on our way to play um, Transmit Festival in Scotland, and I had a call from like my mum saying that my auntie had died. Like whilst I was on the way there, uh, but she was like she had cancer, and we she she died it a few times. So like I think everyone kind of knew it was going to happen eventually, but I just didn't know it was going to happen then. And like at the time, I was thinking like. I'd love to write a song like about me auntie just because like I loved her a lot and it kind of like it was weird because then I, I didn't end up writing a song about that but then I kind of wrote a song which is like she was like a proper hippie like type person she was just like do you know even though she was like she had cancer and stuff I, I spoke to her at like my brother's wedding which was the last time I saw her I was just kind of being quite matter of fact with her and I was just asking her like how she was feeling, like, and we were talking about, like, it was a bit of a morbid conversation because we were talking about death. But she said to me, like, she was like, do you know what? Like, I'm glad that you spoke to me about this because, like, everyone else is, like, being dead nice and, like, being, like, concerned. But then I was just kind of speaking to her quite, like, this is what's happening, how are you feeling type thing. And then I just kind of, like, instead of writing a song about me auntie like about her directly I kind of like thought about like how positive she was even leading up to the the fact that she was dying do you know what I mean like and she had cancer she just was like still so happy and positive and like just kind of thought that was kind of could be channeled into a song similar to what you were saying earlier about how you'll try and write a song to achieve the feeling that another song gives you it's almost like you're trying to write a song to achieve the feeling that that conversation gave you maybe or yeah no because I, I think about that conversation all the time do you know what I mean? because it was only me and her who had that conversation so like it's not even like anyone else can like think back to it do you know what i mean like i do i think about it all the time because it was like the last time i spoke to her properly and yeah def- defo like it was weird because like I, I was i was having a proper writer's block with it at first because i was like trying to write lyrics in the van for that song and I wasn't even like writing anything good and then I'd had the call saying like that had happened to me auntie and then like I just stopped writing lyrics for the day and then I just started writing the lyrics in the van after we'd played the gig I think it like took me a while because I just I just didn't want to be like corny do you know what I mean so I was just like trying to write lyrics that were just kind of open-ended but I kind of had that feeling attached to them. Do you know what I mean? Yeah. You want to write a song that's as impactful as the conversation. Yeah. But you, do, you don't want, especially if it's that important to you, it puts a little bit of pressure on the actual process itself because you don't want to, you know, butcher it. I couldn't think of a better No, no, I, I know what you mean. Like, yeah, because I, yeah, I didn't want to like, make a really, I didn't want to just put like, really shit lyrics down and like, say they meant this because like, to be honest, that's the first time I've ever like said that out loud about what that song means. Like I've always known what that song meant to me, but like I've never actually like spoke to anyone about it. Like I haven't spoke to even the boys in the band about it because like I just didn't feel like it was important to mention at the time. Yeah, they'll put their own meaning on it too. Yeah, exactly. They'll apply to something in their life. Yeah, exactly. And that's that's what I want from it. I don't want to be like, this is a song and this is about me, everyone. So. Just think about my life. <laughs> do, you know, do you know what I mean? Like, I don't want to be like that type of person. Like, I just want, I just want our music to like help 
people with whatever they're going through. Just proper sick as well. Cause uh, this this kid messaged me around like Christmas time. Um, his sister messaged me. I won't say his name, but his sister messaged me on Christmas saying like, "Can you like write a a letter to like me? Or no, can you sign like an autograph for me, brother, um, or something?" And he he was bipolar type one, and like I knew who he was fan wise because I'd met him before, and he loved our band like he loves our band so much, and I I see his comments on Twitter and stuff like I'm just onto him. Do you know what I mean? There's like some fans that you just like you know they are. Then like I just said to her, yeah. So I like wrote him a letter like about like obviously being bipolar and that. I knew his favorite song was I know I'm sure, and I knew it was because like he'd being able to attach that kind of like I knew it because because obviously I, I I get it as well. I just I knew how he'd attach that song to that feeling. Do you know what I mean? And I just thought it was boss. Uh, so like I wrote him a letter. He messaged me like saying how like much of. Like he's 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 had like such an affinity to like our music because of the fact that he knows that like I'm bipolar and he is and he, he like struggles and stuff, but like he thinks it's boss that like his favourite band or whatever or, like the singers like goes through the same stuff as well and like still makes music good enough for him to love. Do you know what I mean? Comes back to what I was saying about music is either written to help yourself or help other people. Yeah. And it can do both. Yeah, definitely. I think in the same song. Yeah, I think helping yourself I think helping other people helps yourself as well. Because you can't you can't feel bad when you're like making other people happy, can you? Do you know what I mean? Like I mean you can but very rarely, like if you know something you've done directly makes someone else happy, you feel good about it, don't you? Yeah, on every level, whether like what you're doing there is like a big thing that's, you know, helping someone. But even if you do something like, that's why we share music and like art with each other and stuff, isn't it? Like when you send someone something because you know it's going to give them a bit of a buzz and it gives you a buzz in return. Yeah, it's mad thinking about it like that, isn't it? Because it's like when you're doing it at the time, you're not actively like, I don't know, I don't, you probably are sometimes, but like I think with music, especially, you just know someone will like this and. I don't know. It's weird. I always, I find it weird because I, the only person I ever really show music to is my girlfriend. Like, and by music, I just mean like music I found on Spotify because we just kind of, maybe that's this year actually because I haven't really seen anyone else because <laughs> we live together. So <laughs> that might be that. Um, it's hard. It's so hard, isn't it? Like thinking back to what yeah. life was like before COVID. It's bloody <laughs> mad. Yeah, it's weird how normalised it's become. That's the thing I keep thinking about. Yeah, I think it's strange. Like, I can't wait till it's all over. I mean, I mean, I don't know your views on it, but like, I, I find it mad the way there's people who think it's like a pandemic and all stuff like that. Like that, that confuses me a little bit because like it's obviously like it's happening and like, I don't get why like people would think like a Tory government would like do anything that would cripple the country financially like that just wouldn't happen do you know what i mean i mean i think it's the same thing that fuels like any form of discrimination it's that when something awful happens and the same thing that fuels can fuels all conspiracy theories is that whenever something awful happens you want an easy answer yeah, you and something want, easy you want to blame. someone to blame yeah i think that's definitely weird. i think like it's a tricky one in it because like the way they've handled it is being appalling like it has been so bad but then, like, I've got to a point myself where I've just stopped looking at the news because it's just too depressing to look at. 
Yeah, it's like what we were saying before we came on air. Like, there's no point in worrying about things that you can't change. Yeah, exactly. Like, and obviously, like, it's it's good to be in the know with what's going on. I don't know. I feel like life for me right now is very much just keep everyone safe and just try and kind of like get on with it. Do you know what I mean? I think like three of the like me, Carl, and Josh all had COVID at the very start of this year, Man. and that was like the second time I had it. I, we I, we were all fine. Like they had like they were a bit unwell, but I was okay. I had it well worse like last year because I didn't even know I had it at the time. But like I thought I had like tonsillitis because it was like you know when COVID was very first like happening in our yeah. country in like April, and I thought I had tonsillitis because like years ago I had tonsillitis and I was shivering and I had like cold sweats and I was like really unwell, just couldn't get out of bed and I had a fever. But then I ended up just, turns out, I just had COVID, I think, because I had the antibody test, and then I had the antibodies, so. It's mad, like, loads of people are getting it, and it is stress, but, like, I just, I don't know, I don't know, it's so hard to even think about it at the minute, because, like, like you say, like, there's no point worrying about it, so I literally have kind of, like, just had it, even though I had it at the start of the year, I still was just, like, trying to block it out my mind, do you know what I mean? Just still, like being careful in terms of like seeing people and stuff because I don't want to pass it because I think even though I've had it I can carry it and pass it on so I don't want to like get anyone ill but I think like the the isolation is just getting a bit much now for everyone it's almost been a year yeah it's mad like I I so basically like the boys in the band like we this year has been a hard one for us obviously like because we've kind of been so unsure about what the future is so we've been trying to stay positive, but then like only until recently, like recently we've we've started getting like really positive and we're like sure that like everything's gonna be sound again. But like there was a period of time where we did, we just didn't see each other for months because like I lived at home at the time and like I was like scared of giving it to me more and more like I had to go like the hospital for stuff to do with my throat so I was like I had to isolate quite a bit and then I saw them like. The other day after we'd all had COVID. Um and like it's like the first time I've seen them in so long. And I was just saying to them, it's like mad how like anxious I am around my best mates like right now. Cause like social anxiety is just like so like prevalent right in people right now because like there's literally been no social like interaction with anyone outside your household for so long. It's like I was saying to them, like, my head's going to fall off when we're playing a gig in front of, like, 2,000 people and I'm having to talk to them. I'm like, hello. <laughs> Just, like, proper awkward. Have you noticed that, like, impact your songwriting? Is it becoming, like, more internal in any way with that lack of, like, direct connection to other people? Yeah, I reckon so. Like, I've been, like, um, like I've been writing quite a lot of, like, folky-type tunes that, like, aren't necessarily for the band. Just, like, for myself. And... I haven't done that in like quite a long time because of just like everything I've ever written is kind of like being for the band. But like we've all kind of been doing that as well and like we've all been showing like our music to each other and like even like featuring on each other's songs and stuff. So it's like it's weird. It's like the band's like we're all making like music for the band but then like separately we're all making like our own songs and then so there'll be like a song that Josh or Carl's made and then I'll sing a verse on it. And then like that'll be my part in that song. Do you know what I mean? I'm pretty sure like we're gonna try and 
at some point this year or next year have have it all come out under like maybe another name but like it's still going to be like the band but it's going to be like the band and other creative people who like we work with and like we're mates with who like want to be in songs and do music and then like we're gonna have like the night cafe as the kind of hub behind like the whole thing like the night cafe is like the band that we focus our career on but then these other things are just like a way we can release all that music that wouldn't make it to the night cafe's albums do you know what i mean that we still think's boss yeah we still got quite because you had a few songs that kind of didn't make onto this record that you recorded right yeah so i think we recorded like i think it was like 22 or we'd, we'd written like 22 and then we recorded all the ones that were on it and i think that we did like bin off like two actual recorded songs and then two like just songs that were written but we just they, we were, like they weren't ready for the for the album type thing yeah and then we, we did that and then the, the cutting down process was quite hard because obviously like 18 songs is quite a lot for like your debut album nowadays so like we everyone was telling us like don't do 18 like you need to just have like 10 or 12 because like it's like it's it's just like what everyone does and we were just like nah like even though four of the songs are interludes, like we need them on there. We need the eighteen tracklist. We just thought we were proper cool doing it. <laughs> yeah, I mean, you wouldn't have the flow without it. Yeah, you the wouldn't. Way, not it, at all. I think it would yeah. feel a little bit more bitty. Like it feels like quite a whole thing. If yeah, that makes sense. Yeah, definitely. And that's what we were trying so hard to do as well. It's like there's a song called "Breathing In," isn't there? And it's like thirty seconds long, and it literally is just like a police siren going past outside our practice room and like a conversation which then leads into a song and it's like to break up the kind of song so it's not just constant like dun, 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 just like music going like full ham like all the time do you know what i mean it's just nice to have those little periods in like an album where you do breathe in and that's why that's called breathing in because it's because it's like a, a period in, in the album where I think everyone should take a step back, like think about something else and then just return to the music when turn comes in. Funny how you go from sirens to turn when turn's kind of where you're at your lowest point on the record. Yeah, <laughs> I know. I thought that like at the time as well. I thought like, but I thought it led into it so well. I just thought like, it just makes sense to have like, sirens like distress signals basically just going off before like a really intense song about feeling shit about life what was the hotline you had on the billboard oh shit yeah we got like a we got like a phone that was like the labels idea i think it was like a dead good idea as well to be fair because like obviously it was called 0151 so they were thinking like let's get an 0151 number and when people call it it'll come to our phone and we, we bought like a phone for the band and then it was just like a kind of a whatsapp thing where it was like people who were in that would come like first served for like tickets to shows and merch drops and stuff but then also it was like we were posting stuff in it so like fans like had like a kind of like a chance to feel a bit more connected to us because i think that's one thing we've always lacked in a bit with the band is like we've always been kind of like not not like mysterious but like definitely heading towards mysterious like because we don't really post like many videos and we don't really post like 
too many things was like talking and like having a laugh and it's all quite like serious like pictures but and we do we do post like quite sporadically as well so it's like we have been kind of low-key so i think like this year we're gonna try and like be a bit more on it with our socials because we're all just not like natural kind of social media users like i find it dead weird being on like social media i only really use instagram i think actually i only have instagram and facebook but i never use facebook and even then like i only follow like stuff i'm like really interested in i don't even like like the pictures you know like i just scroll like i just scroll and i'm like (laughs) brain dead (laughs) and before you know it 20 minutes has gone by yeah i've I've had to set like an um do you know like the screen time thing on iphones now where you can like basically have a message come up saying like your time's up on this app i've set like a 45 minute one per day on instagram i end up like ignoring it every single day (laughs) (laughs) i'm like ignore for today (laughs) i feel like you can get away with a little bit more instagram time in lockdown oh yeah defo defo i feel like you can get away with pretty much anything in lockdown like I'm like quite into me gaming me, so like I built myself a PC <laughs> in lockdown, and like I've just been doing you know all just mad stuff that like I just wouldn't normally do when I'm like home alone. I think it's like quite good to break it up though, because if I was like songwriting constantly, I'd just like it would just do me head in. It's an intense thing. Yeah, definitely, and I think like with with the way I was saying about like the the problems I've been having with my voice over the year as well, they kind of like pushed me away from writing songs for quite a bit. I'd come back to doing them when like I had to write stuff for for the band to bring stuff out. Otherwise I'd kind of like steer away from it a bit. But like I'm like on my way to kind of getting that sorted now. So like I'm feeling much more positive about that whole side of things. Because there was like basically the first tour that we cancelled was because of like my throat basically so we had the the tour that was supposed to do the one that's being rescheduled from when it got cancelled because of covid last year but like that was originally supposed to happen in november last uh, 2019 and we cancelled it because like i like my voice was just destroyed and basically like my mental health is like a kind of i don't know like it just had like a massive impact on like mental health as well. Do you know what I mean? Like I didn't really want to speak to anyone or see anyone for ages. So we just had to like, we had to, it was a big decision to do. Like it wasn't, wasn't taken lightly at all. Cause like we never want to do stuff like that. But, and, and to be honest, I still think it was the right thing to do. Even now, even though I think like art's being canceled again because of COVID and rescheduled again, like at that time, like I wouldn't have, I couldn't have done the gigs. Like, it would have been so hard to do. I think as well, if you spend two months, say, putting yourself in a worse place mentally, it doesn't take two months to get out of that. It takes, like, a year to get out of that. Exactly, yeah. And that's what I was, like, thinking. I was thinking, like, if I do this tour, like, I don't know what's going to happen after it. Do you know what I mean? So I couldn't deal with the 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 kind of, like, the, the highs and the lows that you have when you're on tour and you you feel like so like special and happy when you're on stage and then when you come off it you can instantly just drop straight away especially when you get back to the hotel room and it's just like silence and you've just been in like a really crowded environment where like not an even like egotistical but like everyone in that environment's like asked about like if you're okay type of thing 
Do you know what I mean? And then like you get you get back to the hotel and you're just kind of alone. And you like you have to do that every single night for like two months or so and it's just like it is a lot. And like I love going on tour, don't get me wrong, but I think like that one exception was like the time where I thought like, okay, like I actually I'm not ready to be able to go on tour right now. And I still think I still stick by it as well. I think it was like the best decision for the time. It was like a tricky one because it, it it was hard it was a hard pill for the boys to swallow as well because like no one was kind of like aware of the problems I'd been having with my voice properly, like at that point. Do you know what I mean? So I think everyone just thought like I actually just couldn't be arsed doing it. But like it was far from that. Like when it was like January in twenty twenty, I literally like wrote the whole second album in like a month. Um, I was like the first time I'd written like any songs where I'd written like the lyrics first because like I felt so bad about the tour that like usually when we write songs we write them together or like I'll come in with an idea and then we'll write it in the room but like I felt so bad about like the tour that I just like wanted to make it up to them do you know what I mean so like I just kind of like wrote like 12 full songs and then was like, this is like the album we should bring out. And then everyone was just like, yeah, let's do it type thing. And then since then we've written like a lot more. So they might not even be like all on the second album when it comes out. But yeah, I think it was like, I think it was kind of like the best thing that could have happened because that not doing that tour, even though like it's, it was a nightmare because it's being cancelled again because of COVID, blah, blah, blah. Like, it led to me writing the second album, like, in a really, like, quick kind of succession, like, song after song after song. And then I feel like that makes this second album, like, sound so, like, consistent. Like, it's, they're all kind of, like, they're not all the same. And it's not, like, one of those albums where, oh, every song's the same, this is boring. But you, they definitely all are, are of the same vein, you know what I mean? Like the they all sound like they should be together in an album. So like I don't think You're coming that, out the gate with an intent. Yeah, yeah, exactly. Like I don't think that would have happened on like if we would have done that all. Like in fact I know it wouldn't have happened. up what was that boring no flavor that was as bad as those leftovers you ate all week kiki palmer here and it's time to say hello to something fresh and guilt-free hello fresh jazz up dinner with pecan crusted chicken or garlic butter shrimp scampi. now that's music to my mouth hello fresh let's get this dinner party started discover all the delicious possibilities at hellofresh.com even when we're on a budget we still deserve nice things Quince is a place to scoop up stunning high-end goods for 50 to 80% less than similar brands. They have buttery soft cashmere sweater starting at $50, luxurious Italian leather bags, and so much more. Plus, Quince only works with factories that use safe, ethical, and responsible manufacturing. Get the high-end goods you'll love without the high price tag with Quince. Go to quince.com style for free shipping and 365-day returns.